Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to the Universe Next Door, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, We are very excited to not only be called the Universe Next Door, but to be discussing some things relating to the universe today. Dr. Woodward, how are you? Oh, I'm so excited about our program and what we're focusing on in the literal, physical, and astronomical universe, which is right next door, and we're embedded <laughs> inside of it. Isn't that cool? Woo-hoo. It is very cool. I'm, ex- I'm excited to get into this and a little bit about the Discovery Institute and so on and so forth, but uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and speaking of Discovery Institute, they have done a masterful job in covering all the necessary uh, breaking news from the sciences also from ethics, from theology, and some of their um, websites. They've actually get, you know, got some great stuff on the existence of God. But you know, the Discovery Institute is focused, you know, deliberately focused on science. And I just wanted to, today to feature a new breakout. Just you know, it's, This it should get an Academy Award, like no, no question. It is such a great new series. They're starting this year on um, you know, the, the, the whole area of of science and technology and the existence of God and all these issues and so the science uprising so if anybody wants to make a mental note or physically take it down uh, type this in your computer or your iPhone science uprising is a series of really um, creative edgy videos that enable the the less popular the less featured perspective on the universe to break through as if there was an uprising as if there the people who couldn't uh, ever be allowed to speak finally are allowed to break out of their silence in other words they basically uh, take control of the state media state-run media and and kind of like put it on hold so that they can give the other side which you're not allowed to hear and the Big Bang, something from nothing? Question mark. That's the title of the first of this new series. It just came out literally this week. It's uh, it's brand new, and you can easily grab it by going to. You can just type in Science Uprising: colon, The Big Bang. It's on YouTube. It's on, you know, Vimeo. It's on especially the Evolution News dot org website. But I, I just got through watching it, and man, I felt like. Uh, you know, jumping up and down like that guy, my favorite team, just won the, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's that good. It's that powerful. And it's only nine minutes long, which is really great because you don't have to spend an awful hour, even half an hour, to grab the highlights. So um, I just want to just say that this is a topic that I was even researching when I was a non-Christian. I was kind of sliding into atheism as a high school student. And I even did a, a, a paper on the Big Bang. And so, I mean, this this topic, and I want to talk about the physical, the universe Big Bang, and then next week I'd like to talk about the Cambrian Explosion Big Bang. And I think we've got some other exciting uh, guest speakers coming on, um, a senior apologist named Sully McLean, 
And we've got a guy named Michael Sherrard who's agreed to come on. So we're going to have a, a series of outstanding guests uh, visit our program. But I want to do two big bangs, one this week on the, the universe itself, and then next week on the fossil explosion, the big bang of the Cambrian fossil record that is shocking to this day and even more shocking than ever. So that's next week. Um, now, we were talking, I think, just recently about this issue, the Big Bang. Uh, so, Nick, would you not see that this is a, a bit of controversy for people in the, that's the conservative or evangelical realm, that, that, that they're a bit confused? I think that was your, your notion, wasn't it? Oh, sure, especially depending on what exactly you mean from the Big Bang. Um, I mean, for example, yesterday with our students, we were we were going over Romans 1 and, and talking about how everybody is without excuse because God is evident uh, and has been made plain to them. And so I, I think when you look at the concept of everything coming from nothing, or even for us coming from bacteria, which also came from nothing, it's like nothing is the prevailing theory if you are not a Christian believer, and that's just by common sense tells us that everything can't come from nothing. Exactly, exactly. And, and there must be a cause, and a, a sufficient cause for anything that comes into existence. That's basic rule number one of reasoning about origins. In other words, you, you have X produces Y. Think of a big X and then an arrow going to the right, and then you have Y. And if X causes Y, great, no problem. And then if, and if we ask who, who made Y, you just say, well, X did. And then you have to ask who made X, and you go backwards and backwards. But what if you had X and then an arrow uh, and then another X? X caused X. Does that make sense, Nick? No, of course it doesn't make sense. That's a brilliant answer. Nick, you, you <laughs> go to the head of the class. Yeah, of course. I mean, X makes Y. Okay, I'm with you. X makes X. What? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't meet the, even the threshold of just deep common sense. And yet that's what Lawrence Krauss, a famous atheist, very, very vocal, outspoken atheist, uh, astronomer, cosmologist, physicist, what he has said in a recent uh, interview, and matter of fact, he said this uh, in a number of interviews based on his writings, that if, if you get down to the origin of the universe, and we'll, we'll talk about the Big Bang and how it came about, and that's all in this film, this excellent nine-minute film, very uh, God-glorifying, Christ-glorifying film about the, the Big Bang theory. Now, it is, you know, a, a, let's say a legitimate theory. Uh, you may uh, say, I, I don't believe it, no problem. I do believe it, no problem. But the, the bottom line is that the Big Bang is fantastic news for the theistic or the God-caused worldview. And the Big Bang is really, really, really bad news for the atheist worldview. Why is that? Because at the beginning, if you run the tape backwards, and all the galaxies and all the stars, as you go backwards in their life history, and you get scrunched in tighter and tighter into one little glob of matter, maybe as small as a mile or a, an inch or a nanometer or smaller than that, whatever uh, starting point you have, the original scrunched super hot universe of matter is supposed to, according to the theory, let me just say that again, according to the theory, the hot Big Bang theory comes from nothing. There is no time, there is no spatial dimensions, there is no matter, and there is no energy. That is before the singularity, before T equals zero. And so what that means is that to explain the Big Bang, 
by something physical is impossible. So the only thing, the atheist has painted himself into the corner. In other words, the atheist, the materialist. If you go into the philosophy of atheism, they really have uh, three uh, names that they put for their kind of foundation. You can call it materialism, you can call it naturalism, you can call it physicalism. They all basically mean the same thing. But whatever your uh, atheistic foundation, if, if, there's a, if there's an atheist or, or an agnostic listening, somebody who's just trying to think this through but doesn't believe in God, you're, you're more than welcome to just uh, join the, the process of thinking through this. So the, the atheist has to kind of wipe out the idea of God. And so what do they put in this non-physical? Well, that's really, really tough. And so Lawrence Krauss says in his, in his uh, commentary in this interview that's actually shown at the start of uh, this short video, Big Bang, Something from Nothing. He says, yeah, the universe came from nothing. And at one point, the interviewer says, now, I've heard that you have three kinds of nothings. You have nothing A, nothing B, and nothing C. I mean, I really laughed out loud when I heard that. I mean, nonsense is being multiplied here. So if you have X produces X, well, you know, as the famous uh, scholar, the mathematician at Oxford, John Lennox, has said, you know, nonsense still remains nonsense, even when it's, even when it's spouted by a world-famous scientist. And so Richard, um, you know, Dawkins um, has said things similar to this. Uh, the late Stephen Hawking, I know the brilliant scientist in the wheelchair um, who had to speak through kind of a, a voice modulator system, uh, he said something similar, that just the, the embrane, you know, the, uh, the existing law of gravity that somehow, and I don't know how you could have a law of gravity without matter that obeys the law of gravity. That's really weird. And, and Linux, of course, has critiqued that in a separate book, um, which, uh, you know, really is, is a zeroed-in targeted critique of this nonsense of Stephen um, Hawking. And so what I want to do is I want to just say that the Big Bang, when I looked at it as a, as a non-Christian, I never thought through it. As an atheist, I never really gave it much thought that, that there is a problem. Uh, but when I was in high school, they discovered the background radiation and then that was further developed through the Hubble detection, through Hubble um, investigation of the background radiation as they were able to see the actual slight, you know, um, I guess you could call them the fingerprint of the background radiation, the microwave cosmic radiation that is like the echo of the Big Bang. And the expansion uh, of galaxies away from one another was actually de detected as early as the late 20s, early 30s you know, by Jastro, excuse me, by Hubble sitting at his telescope in L.A. area. And, of course, Robert Jastro wrote this whole saga, the whole story of the discovery of the expansion and the postulation of the Big Bang, which really only became popular uh, in the mid-50s. Um, actually, Fred Hoyle used the, the, the phrase Big Bang as kind of an attack on it, but it stuck. And so... A number of the scientists uh, were working on this area, one by the name of George Gamow, it's spelled G-A-M-O-W, but I'm told that the, the W is like a V, so George Gamow uh, was a famous uh, proponent. But it wasn't until that background radiation came out in the 60s and was refined in the 90s that it was kind of nailed down as a solid theory. Now, I've heard people say, 
from our from some of our friends have said, oh, the Big Bang has real problems, and the Big Bang is is not a, a Christian concept at all. What I would say is the idea of the expansion of the universe from an origin of very small dimension is actually found nine times in Scripture. God stretching out the universe, check it out, is used nine times in Scripture. And like a handful of those are in the book of Isaiah. And we've talked about this before, that the, the convergence of modern science with the descriptions of the universe that are seen in the Bible are beyond amazing. They're shocking and they're extremely encouraging. God has literally stretched out the universe. And so when Robert Jastrow, uh, and who, who, by the way, no friend of theism, he was an agnostic when he wrote the book, and sadly he was even, I think, an agnostic up to the, near the point of his uh, passing away some 10 years ago. But he wrote this. This is the very end quote of his entire book, God and the Astronomers, the history of the Big Bang th uh, thought, you know, the investigation of the origin of the year of the universe from nothing and this is the and this is the quote i'm going to read it for everybody for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason the story ends like a bad dream he has scaled the mountains of ignorance he is about to conquer the highest peak as he pulls himself over the final rock he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries I'm going to read that back just one more time. For the scientist who has lived by his faith and the power of reason, the story, in other words, the discovery process, ends like a bad dream. He scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, uh-oh, he's greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. So the idea of the universe starting at a point in time, and if you trace it back, the singularity, the T equals zero, time equals zero, that started the universe, all the equations go haywire. They just literally go, go, go nuts. They go crazy. They melt down, as it were. None of the equations of science, when you get back to that tight a scale of matter jammed into a tiny squinch of almost zero space, everything goes off the chart. And so what I, what I tell people, and they say, well, so you you accept the uh, you you accept the Bible, but you don't accept Genesis. No, I think Genesis is historical. And it may sound um, kind of like a shock because I've just said I think that the idea of the Big Bang sits well with Christian thought. So what am I trying to say? I, I take Genesis as historical. I even take the days of of Genesis one as morning and evening literal days. And I know some listening to the program may have a different perspective, more like the, the writings of, uh, you know, for example, Hugh Ross or other apologists who take the old earth perspective and old universe. I think, think that life was created relatively recently in a series of six literal days. But I do think that the universe is probably much older because there's a hint of that in the very beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1, 1, and 2. It describes the creation of the universe, and then it zooms into the earth, and it implies the earth, the stuff of the earth, and the raw material of the universe was already there when God began in six literal days um, expressing his thought, his brilliant micromanagement of matter. And his just uh, he is just the super intellect of super intellects, and he displays it at every level from the universe itself as a unit, all the way down to the tiniest proton, neutron, electron, or quark inside of those entities. 
So I think it's exciting to consider, and I, I would just recommend that if you don't know what I'm talking about, just uh, go to Science Uprising, and of course the one that was just published and just released not too long ago is focused on this issue, the Big Bang. And uh, I think one of the things about this is that we should keep an open mind. You know, it could be that God created the universe not necessarily in a single point or a micro digitally infinitesimally to small size he could have created the universe in a small size and then expanded it so i'm not wedded you know i'm not an evangelist for the big bang theory i'm i'm an evangelist for jesus christ of nazareth and for the totality of the universe every speck of it as having been beautifully engineered before it went into the down downward slide caused by sin but originally it was beautifully engineered and micro created by an incredible powerful, brilliant, wonderfully loving creator who has a purpose for our life. And of course, when, when Paul goes and visits the Athenians and has a dialogue with the uh, philosophers of, of literally the universe, you know, the Stoics and the Epicurean philosophers were like, uh, you might think of them early pantheists and early Darwinists who are right there in Athens in Acts chapter 17. Starting at verse 16, you have this famous uh, interaction with them that leads right into the invitation he had to present. And so I think Paul says it just perfectly when he says that the God who made heaven and earth is also the one who made all of us, uh, the human family. His offspring, he uses the term offspring, which means even we are masterfully created by him and share to some extent still, even after the sin, devastation of sin, we share his nature. We are his offspring, and he loves us enough that he would send a creator, God, who became man, who loved us enough to die in our place, and who loved us enough to rise from the dead and conquer death and offer eternal life as a free gift. And so I think, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of commend to all of our listeners, uh, and if you have questions, don't, don't hesitate to uh, get in touch with us. Yeah, absolutely. We have about six minutes left, but um, I would I would definitely recommend you go to apologetics.org you'll find tons of videos and articles um, if you go to the the website of the discovery institute you can see these um, science uprising videos which will obviously be be very helpful um, and i and i did want to add i think you put it really well when when talking about how um, we might not look at the big bang theory in the exact same way as we don't believe everything came from nothing that's just ridiculous um, but we can agree that the universe had a beginning and to apply that jastrow quote directly um, we've been saying that for thousands of years so this is no surprise to the christian um, or even to the jew this is this is nothing surprising to us because we've always said that the universe had a beginning that's the only logical thing even aside from knowing scripture um, and so I think just we should be careful before we kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater with the Big Bang. I think that's uh, perfectly put. And, you know, some people say, well, maybe there's been an eternal sequence of bangs, you know, the expansion of the universe, and then collapses. You know, it kind of slows down, it stops, and then it falls back in on itself. And that takes maybe hundreds of trillions of years for that process to happen. And then when everything squunches, it bounces back like a big rubber ball hitting the, the, the floor, the hard floor of a gym, and it jumps back up in the air and bounces back up in the air. And so that's maybe a picture according to this oscillating. It's like a, you know, expand, collapse, expand, collapse, 
with uh, you know 500 trillion year cycles, and we're only like you know maybe 13 billion years into the first cycle, or the umpteenth cycle. And if they and that's that's an attempt. That's a very desperate attempt to get away from the absolute beginning. The reason that won't work is number one, there's not enough matter to slow the expansion. And this is all brought out in the Science Uprising video. There just simply is not. We even see observationally the universe seems to be accelerating. So the expansion is not just you know vigorous. Uh, some of the distant galaxies have been measured as fleeing away from us at 90% of the speed of light. Think of that, Nick. That's, if, and that's, that's quite a getaway car. <laughs> I'm thinking of like you know somebody steals a you know money out of a the safe on a, in a bank yeah and they need a fast getaway car. that's that's quite a getaway car hop on that galaxy it's going 90 percent of the speed of light and so the the idea of the universe expanding so fast and then it, and then recently in well, the year 2000 they discovered much to their shock that the expansion is accelerating it's like somebody's putting the pedal to the metal Mm -hmm. which again fits beautifully with all those uh, scriptural quotes. Yeah, I think so too. There's a term concordism, um, which essentially means to read modern scientific findings into scripture. And just to be clear, that's not what we're, what we're doing here. We're disagreeing even with part of it. Um, but as you pointed out, there's no reason to take these terms such as God stretching the universe in scripture and, and to not take them literally. I think it fits um, perfectly. I agree totally. And I think that that it's actually eerie. It's it's delightfully. It's beautifully eerie when we read those quotes. And and I, I would recommend that anyone who wants to just see this all compacted in one verse, go to Zechariah chapter twelve, verse one. It's the beginning of the great uh, final you know prophetic unit of that whole book. The book of Zechariah is one of my favorites. And so twelve, thirteen, and fourteen hangs together as a single prophetic unit. Chapter 14 even includes the return of Christ, the return of the Messiah to earth to rule over the nations. It's amazing. But in chapter 12, it says, you know, the one who's giving this prophecy, the God who created the universe, is the one who's giving this prophecy. And he's the one who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundation of the earth, and planted the, the spirit of man within him. Whoa, you just have three levels of creation right there the cosmological astronomical level, the geological earth level, and then the psychological, the interior of man, the most mysterious and powerful, and to this day, uncracked by science. The consciousness problem is the number one problem that science can't even begin to crack. It just defies, yeah. So I think that, that as, we, as we see what is happening in the scientific world, the struggle to explain the Big Bang, and next week, we're going to talk about the, the fossil, you know, the major categories of living things. All major categories, uh, 20 according to some counts, or even over that. We're talking about 20 phyla. We're talking about, you know, that's so structurally different, there's not even a hint of transition between them. And they all are just dramatically appearing at the lowest level of fossil record. The, the, the layers that we, we call them Cambrian. And we're going to talk about that next week. So at every point, you know, the consciousness issue, which C.S. Lewis himself brilliantly tied into uh, the existence of God in his book, um, Miracles. You just read the opening three chapters of the book, Miracles. You have one of the most powerful arguments for God just from the reasoning ability of man. You cannot explain it away as just matter doing its thing. That makes no sense at all. And so I just want to, um, I'm, ex I'm excited to pursue these, uh, the stage one and next week stage two of the Big Bang issue. 
and see how all these discoveries, all these breakthroughs are pointing to the Creator who loved us and sent His Son to die for us. It's great news, isn't it? Absolutely. And for the Christian, that really is the definition of good news. It's the gospel, that we receive grace freely, that, that Jesus took the penalty and the punishment for our sin, and instead we receive eternal paradise, we receive joy and blessing, uh, and we get to experience the presence of God, not only now, but for all of eternity. So thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at information at apologetics.org. That's information at apologetics.org. And we'll see you back here next week on The Universe Next Door. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door.